Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. This is an essay from the Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com entitled The Sides of History. During part of 1941 and 1942, when the Luftwaffe was busy in Russia, the German radio regaled its home audiences with stories of devastating air raids on London. Now we are aware that those raids did not happen. But what use would our knowledge be if the Germans conquered Britain? For the purposes of a future historian, did those raids happen or didn't they? The answer is, if Hitler survives, they happened. And if he falls, they didn't happen. So with innumerable other events of the past 10 or 20 years, is the Protocols of the Elders of Zion a genuine document? Did Trotsky plot with the Nazis? How many German aeroplanes were shot down in the Battle of Britain? Does Europe welcome the new order? In no case do you get one answer which is universally accepted because it is true. 
In each case, you get a number of totally incompatible answers, one of which is finally adopted as the result of a physical struggle. History is written by the winners. George Orwell We are consistently reminded by our betters that we will end up on the wrong side of history, a history that will be written by the winners, a history that will be written by them. The history they write is simply one story about reality, written and rewritten, in order to maintain a generalized sense of continuity over time, even as facts, characters, places, and chronologies shift before the eyes of its observers. To win is to control the means of information, in a quest to control all the other means. Control over the means of information allows our betters to be ever on the right side of history as they perpetually reinterpret the past, present, and future. What was never was and mustn't ever be spoken of again. What is is what works for them. Those who prepare for us our place on the wrong side of history rewrite our history in public. We must learn our history, and if they change it, we must learn it again. Words we heard them say moments ago become words never actually said, even as they repeat the same words over again. We must have misheard or misunderstood, we are told. What's important is that we are wrong regardless. They decontextualize and recontextualize the past, inverting the meaning, making themselves always humanity's saviors in the face of the very savagery they blame, always, on those who resist them. To be history's winners, they must not only have been the ones who conquered. What they conquered must therefore have been evil, because the good always wins, and here we stand. This allows them to conquer again as needed. The job is never over. It is righteous work, we are told. The history of our ancestors is a history of chaos and destruction by savages, written by the winners, or so they would have us believe. Since we are the people still here, still ostensibly thriving, the savages were clearly not like us. Being like us is what allowed us to advance. We won, after all, did we not? We are collectively writing this history, all of us winners, and we agree with this right side of history even as it evolves and changes. The details matter not at all. Because people like us presumptively agree upon that history, we don't need to learn it. People like us already know what to think about it. We are not able to prove the history wrong ourselves, since we are not experts. So whatever we are told must therefore be true. People better than us agree that this is the proper version of history. In fact, people better than us agree most strongly about what we are told of our history. They know the most, which is why they write the history as winners, just like us. We are not the savages of history then, and people like us would never repeat the savagery of generations past. People like us are the ones who prevent that sort of savagery. We do this by spreading awareness of and demanding adherence to the slogans and the history. We do this by demanding compliance while we choose to comply ourselves only when people like us or people better than us are watching. 
If everyone commits publicly to following the rules, at least some of the time or when called upon, the savagery of the past will be kept in the past. The more rules we create, the more rules will be followed and the more savagery we can avoid. As the definition of savagery changes over time, additional rules will be necessary, naturally, to eliminate additional behaviors that might one day become representative of our former savagery. History is indisputable and the source of all true knowledge until one day it is not. When that day is reached, Knowledge of history is declared to be the catalyst that makes us repeat history and recommit to chaos and destruction, we pitiful savages. History must be changed to properly frame the future. This is done in the name of progress. If a new revision of history is doubted, the latest research will prove the new history true, and it will always have been true. The past was savage and brutal. But we are not savages, so we must leave the past behind. If we discover enough about the present, we can forget history altogether, because the past was also ignorant and hateful. The best way to avoid repeating history is to never learn it in the first place. Orwell didn't say this, but the remake of 1984 could, and the people sleepwalking us into dystopia would hear it and think it profound. If a group of people had as its goal the end of the United States of America, subsumed by a global community, a liberal world order, in the words of Brian Deese, advisor to the fake president, the goal is more easily achieved if everyone reads the 1619 Project and agrees to pretend America was founded to preserve the institution of slavery. To accept the prior view, that the American project was one directed toward the preservation of sovereignty of the nation and the individual would be counterproductive. Therefore, the true history must be disavowed and rewritten until it is widely accepted that the world is a better place without America in it. America will be nothing more than a general location on a borderless global map. It will be something that existed in this place long ago. The future history will call it a slave colony. The history will write that this moment is the moment that humanity realized it would be better if the whole world became one and we return to serfdom under an omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent noblesse that advertises to us how we should go about enjoying our own deaths. This history is promoted by people who voted for Joe Biden, a man who was mentored in politics for decades by a Klansman. But this claim is only true in the sort of history the losers might write, which is why it needs to be overwritten by the winners. Biden voters believed that their votes would solve racism. Somehow, the black squares they posted on Instagram after career criminal and drug addict George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose under a policeman's knee were not a sufficient solution. They want to teach your children their version of racism and their version of healthy sexuality, too. Sure, their theories are ridiculous now, but imagine them once you're on the right side of history. You won't be allowed to. Remember things any other way. America is not a misogynist, homophobic slave colony. 
Those who perpetuate this malicious falsehood are those writing and rewriting history in real time. You would want to rewrite history, too, if your political ideology brought America slavery, the Confederacy, the KKK, Jim Crow, and decade after decade of the systematic exploitation of urban minority populations for political benefit. Those writing and rewriting history in real time, ever the winners, have already pulled the old switcheroo on history. They have convinced us that somehow this history simply switched parties upon Lyndon B. Johnson's signing of the Civil Rights Act after it survived filibuster by Democrats. Among those who filibustered was the Klan leader who mentored Joe Biden in politics for decades, the man Joe Biden eulogized upon his death, Robert Byrd. Lyndon B. Johnson said, rationalizing the signing, I'll have them, N-words, voting Democratic for 200 years. Those writing and rewriting history are now fact-checking this quote. They'll continue until people doubt it enough for it to eventually go away. The switcheroo complete. The history replaced by the history written by the winners. This reversal of history, already accepted by people who lived through it and knew a different history to be true, is the entire justification for any claim of racism existing in only one race, only one party. It cannot be otherwise. People like them who do not believe, morally or otherwise, in individual or national sovereignty, will always tend towards slavery while claiming to abolish it. You can simply ask them and they will tell you. People like them believe some people must be controlled because they are too pathetic to expect any better. People like them accept, with some guilt, that people like them are actually better, a priori, by virtue of their birth. Luck of the draw, really. Better luck next time to everyone else. They say they cannot be racist because they're entertained by minorities. Therefore, people like them happily move poor foreigners from their homes and transport them from country to country amidst a veritable circus of rape and murder. In the false reality, it is racist to point this out. Yes, people like us are the ones who don't want this climate migration to be a thing that happens in the world. But in the false reality, this means we don't want black or brown people here. That's how the history will remember us after it's written by the winners once again. Every individual aspect of my description of this slave trade is something that people like them will accept and repeat because people better than them have provided them convoluted and complicated explanations for why each aspect is good. I will try not to misrepresent their argument in any way, and I don't believe I am. We will pay for your journey to the place we think you'll definitely thrive more than this objectively terrible place you live if, in return, you promise to always love us and obey. The degree to which you obey will be the degree to which we reduce your suffering, which we have already greatly increased in the objectively terrible place you live. This is the pitch they proudly make. Through their unbridled charity and goodness, people like them and people better than them 
choose to expend their largesse thusly, and for that we must praise them unceasing. It is a fact that this industry, facilitated by actual cartels and this current government, of, by, and for people like them and people better than them, is a multi-billion dollar enterprise whose side hustles are kidnapping, violence, rape, torture, murder, drug trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, and child sex trafficking. Every one of these is either dismissed out of hand or revised by the latest research until it is all justifiable. If not justifiable, it can at least be revised for now to be something unavoidable. People like them will express sadness before reminding you that you are racist. As long as the false reality persists, we will be the racists. In reality, what people like them and people better than them argue for is, in every way, an underground railroad in reverse. Even the parties have been reversed in this widely accepted revision of history. The government spends American tax dollars on paying for everything the undocumented workers need in their lives. Undocumented workers, we are told, is not dehumanizing, while the meaning of the words could be parsed as anonymous slaves. These people cannot be called illegal aliens or illegal immigrants, we are told, even though both literally mean people from other countries who are here illegally. There can be no national sovereignty without a category of people who aren't citizens. People like them support a borderless world explicitly on behalf of people better than them and say from their houses in gated communities that no person can be illegal, which is incoherent. People like them and people better than them do not want to be called racists because that would mean they are like the people on the other side. People like them hate the people on the other side because people on the other side are the racists. People like them will say and do whatever it takes to never be called racist while actively and proudly hating an ever more multiracial group of people on the other side. They admit this, too. They are proud of it and declare it in public. The degree to which this false reality is accepted is the degree to which good people have remained silent while this malicious falsehood has grown in our midst for fear of being called a racist by the people writing history. In my life, I have been furious at people I felt had wronged me. I'm aware of feelings that could lead to hatred. I've felt slighted. I've misunderstood things and people. I've allowed feelings to fester in ways a wiser me would avoid. I also know the absence of hatred. I know love. There is no hatred in my heart for other races or peoples. I don't even hate the people trapped in the false reality as they attempt to drag the world into a neo-feudal global communist order and the end of human liberty. I just wish they would wake up. Your worries about being called racist should end at the moment you inventory your heart for hatred and find none. The D next to the name of the malignant racist who signed the Civil Rights Act does not change whether or not you are a racist. 
supporting a slave trade does. We allow this to continue. We allow ourselves to be slandered because we fear being slandered again. It is not only the history of civilization that people like them and people better than them have written, rewritten, and are currently writing. It is the future as well. Futurists, transhumanists, epidemiologists, technologists, and other experts with doctorate degrees have prepared a future history for everyone. If you thought preparing your future and in some tiny way, humanity's future was your life's work and moral duty, fear not. The experts have it covered. The philanthropists, the very best people, will pay for the transition to this utopian future from their endowments. It will be for the benefit of everyone's, or at least almost everyone's, collective equality. The best people will end up realizing they deserve more because they paid for everything. And this ever more perfect world was, after all, their idea. In the future, everything will be exactly how the very best people want it to be. If you want to enjoy that future to some degree, you need to support them as they determine what's best for everyone else. In the future history, whose glimmering utopia is being written and rewritten now, whose inevitability has been written and rewritten throughout history and always by the winners, we will own nothing and we will be happy. The very best people will simply provide for us charitably from their overflowing coffers to the degree that we deserve. That's what equity is. To deserve their beneficence, we must worship and obey all the people better than us. And for those of us on the other side, this means we must worship everyone like them. We must cover our faces in the presence of people better than us, as the very best people attend barefaced galas to be doted on by women, non-whites, and the gender dysphored, all with faces covered. The very best people hire people to dote on them and clean up after them, based on immutable identity characteristics, you see, as yet another act of beneficence. The very best people understand how much worse life would be as an ethnic minority or sexually disoriented, hence the constant charity. In the false reality, believing one's life would be horrible if one was any member of another certain group than one's own is love. People like them show their love for the less fortunate by agreeing to help these poor people, by reaffirming their support for whatever the very best people decide is appropriate for everyone. Praise be. People like them are now striking at the human origin story by undefining the word woman, teaching that minorities have always been and will always be an underclass, and turning the first few pages of the AIDS playbook while identifying gays with pedophiles, groomers, and the gender dysphored. Within the false reality, repeating the slogans is the only way to fix things and finally conquer the hate they believe must exist in the hearts of people on the other side. They project their hatred onto others to deny the degree to which it exists in their own hearts, even as they publicly pine for the slow deaths of everyone on the other side to prove it. 
The very best people understand that the only way their return to the garden will be accomplished is by making sure that everyone else participates in helping them reach their goals. The only way to ensure this is, ultimately, controlling everyone. Everyone must agree to put their own individual needs aside and sacrifice to the group, as defined by the very best people. It is the only way. The very best people know that people on the other side are too stupid to know what's best for them and will resist. Therefore, people on the other side must be brought to heal. People like them and people better than them will agree with the very best people. The history, written by them, the winners, tells them that people on the other side must be properly managed due to their savage nature. People on the other side are, after all, the savages of history, as written by the winners. The device that already tracks everyone on behalf of the very best people knows where we are, who we talk to and visit, what we read online, what we buy, where we're from, where we attended school, everything we've ever said to anyone in the heat of the moment, when we're drunk or not our best selves. The machine knows our businesses and backroom deals, our scorned lovers and sexual improprieties. It knows our medical records and the status of our subscriptions to whatever chemical they need inside us. It knows our financial history and will happily rewrite our financial future if we fail to worship and obey. It knows what we eat and how many resources we consume. It watches us from server farms and monitors us from private jets and buildings with armed security. The machine knows us better than those engaged with the false reality know themselves. To engage the machine is to submit to constant demoralization through the ringing of a Pavlovian bell whenever one's thoughts or actions go beyond what the very best people deem acceptable. Forgiveness exists only in one's future usefulness in service of the very best people, and the moral debt can never be repaid. In our future history within the false reality, this constitutes penance, and it will be never-ending. Not for the very best people, of course, just for everyone else. You will think what the very best people think about everything, worshipping and obeying when called upon or you will be systematically destroyed. But fear not, it's for the good of everyone, and people like them have already accepted that their individual lives are virtually meaningless. They will never be the people better than them. They will certainly never be the very best people. They simply hope, above all else, for a comfortable ride. To convince enough of the population to accept the future the winners have prepared for us, they will condition us by manipulating the official story within the central narrative, altering past, present, and how we will perceive the future. We are conditioned to perceive the future within a range of different options. An objective experience of empirical reality based on lived or communicated history vetted against reference points where context and meaning are considered, is not among the options. Vladimir Putin is either Hitler or simply Hitler-like, despite the presence of actual Nazis in Ukraine's defense forces. 
In either case, people like them accept that we must be fervent in our pursuit of a kinetic World War III. They'll say it's the last thing they want and they will mean it. Then they will promptly support everything that makes a kinetic World War III more likely. When challenged, they will say that people better than them agree with them, and no one wants a kinetic World War III, so whatever they support will not cause it. Shall we pretend these widely held views, leading us ever closer to war, were adopted after a consideration of facts, from the most basic to the most complex, in context? Have people like them even thought about the morality of this situation? Of course not. They cannot. People like them deny, a priori, the only truths they come across because the television tells them they must. A claim is wrong because it's true that the claim is wrong. It's true that the claim is wrong because people better than them on the news said so, and the news would never lie to people like them. They watch Victoria Newland affirm dangerous pathogens in Ukrainian labs and respond by denying the labs exist because they know they're not allowed to say anything else. They're allowed to know Ukrainian labs exist, but they're not allowed to talk about them. That's the sort of thing people on the other side do. Conspiracy theorists all. The false reality is incoherent. Things are true and not true. Things are true, and so are the refutations of those very things. None of it has to make sense. Within the false reality, personal morality becomes whatever maintains one's goodness in the eyes of people like them and people better than them. It is a perpetual seeking of approval, the threat of constant judgment, followed by the doling out of reward or punishment, ensures adherence to the official version of events. The propaganda and censorship regime didn't come about by mistake. It doesn't exist to counter the threat of disinformation. It exists to make disinformation the only information that exists. This is a phenomenon with a long historical precedent. It is how the official story becomes true. The top-down manipulation of information is why the founders codified free speech in the First Amendment. They knew free speech was the only way to prevent exactly what we are currently enduring. Orwell observed that who controls the past controls the future. That's not simply happenstance or a logical outcome or a nod to the importance of learning history. It's literally their process. Once people accept a history the winners have rewritten to their liking, it can be expected that the winners will just keep winning by virtue of who they are. The best way forward is to try to be most like them. To do so is to win to whatever degree on purely materialistic terms. This is done in pursuit of the permanent vacation, vacation at work, vacation at home, in relationships, and in the world, the abandonment of responsibility for anything at all. When the news reveals a new element of the future, 
people like them will continue their pursuit of achieving permanent vacation by imitating the behavior of the people better than them as much as possible, falling in line behind the very best people. The revision of history will have already made sure the future bestowed on people like them will be one they find acceptable, no matter how jarring, whenever that future arrives. People like them will have already accepted why the future created for them is the best possible future, or at the very least, not worth complaining about if it means an uncomfortable ride. Atomized, we cannot expect the exchange of truth we might have in person. Our closest relationships are cultivated through text messages and video calls at best. At worst, relationships will be the interminable act of approval seeking on social media. Online, where people like them are obsessed with seeking reward by being on their best behavior, nearly all confrontation can be avoided simply by agreeing with the slogans as requested. Once the exchange of ideas in a quest for truth becomes an exchange of ideas in pursuit of reward, the meritocracy of ideas has disappeared. We are left with supposed intellectuals, experts, and elites arguing for utter nonsense in service of the central narrative. Their arguments are not based on real evidence, nor are they convincing to anyone outside the false reality. They're not even coherent. The arguments are taken seriously by people like them because they're made by people better than them, people they envy, people whose ostensible seriousness is based on nothing more than their status as people better than them. They have achieved the sort of status that people like them one day hope to achieve, a more permanent vacation, which they will deserve because they are better. Very serious intellectuals argue that racism can be solved by assigning everyone a cultural value based on their race. In the false reality, everyone agrees this is smart and helpful. Very serious intellectuals argue that whether a person feels he should be wearing dresses and makeup is more indicative of womanness than the presence of a vagina. In the false reality, this is empowering for women. Separating the definition of woman from that which makes one a woman is a complete erasure of the concept of woman. This has been attempted on men less overtly and less successfully. Men are told to sterilize themselves in support of the right to terminate babies in the womb. Men are told their nature is toxic. This is malignant sexism in service of a transhuman future, but very serious intellectuals tell us it is the only way to end sexism forever. To refuse to agree to erase the definition of woman is to erase trans people within the false reality. To deny this is to be a bigot. Very serious intellectuals tell us there are too many of us. The very best people believe this and they are never wrong. They are the winners after all. In the history they've written, they cannot be wrong about the future. Arguing for one's own demise becomes seen as interesting and intellectual. People like them want to seem interesting and intellectual 
So they agree that the prospect of their own demise is a good thing and for the benefit of everyone, or at least for the planet. If reduction to a more suitable population comes as a result of participating in a medical experiment, so be it. It's what the party demanded. People like them knew it was necessary to prove that people better than them really were saving the world. Those who history records as having saved the world cannot be evil. The history the winners have written and rewritten, the continually disorienting present and future being prepared for us is disseminated by very serious intellectuals within the false reality. Outside the false reality, these very serious intellectuals only talent is agreeing most cleverly or most viciously with the very best people. It is the job of the very serious intellectual to rationalize and justify the demands of the very best people. They must express what people like them could not otherwise come up with or would not dare to say because of the treatment it recommends for those on the other side. They must disseminate the agenda of the very best people, since the very best people have access to the authoritative source through the science. For this, very serious intellectuals and those who effectively advertise the truth of the past, present, and future history are well rewarded, as their work confirms the truth of the central narrative to their audience, those who can't figure things out for themselves, and those too scared to admit that what they have figured out is true, despite what they're told by people like them and people better than them. Our intellectual class exists to support the unquestionable truth of the false reality. The world they describe is operating for the benefit of people like them, and if not, at least it operates in accordance with the demands of the very best people on behalf of the authoritative source. The World Economic Forum admits, in their plans for the future they have prepared for us, that we will own nothing. But don't worry, they have also prepared for us the understanding that we will be happy through our attachment to nothing. In the happiness we derive from owning nothing and being attached to nothing and no one, we will happily do whatever we're told is necessary for the good of everyone. Through that, we will be good. When we are good, we have a chance to be rewarded or at least have our suffering temporarily reduced to encourage more good behavior. If we choose the right side of history, the one our betters prepare for us, our obedience becomes noble, our compliance a sacrificial act. If we commit to a lifetime of obedience and enough people notice us doing so, we can live a life of material abundance, inching closer to the possibility of permanent vacation. People like them hope that the very best people do indeed achieve eternal life their consciousnesses flowing in and out of the machine. People like them believe if they behave and pass down their good behavior through the generations, one among their progeny might someday join the very best people, living internally inside the machine. 
Perhaps the saddest part of this entire experience is the knowledge that people like them do not want to be bad people. And within the false reality, they are not. Within the false reality, they cannot be because the bad people are those on the other side. In the false reality, people like them are incentivized to embrace whatever new moral abomination demands their embrace. They must rationalize, justify, and support whichever brand of evil deems necessary in service of creating the future that will be best for everyone, as decided by the very best people. Every incentive and disincentive capable of affecting their personal ability to achieve permanent vacation will be applied to keep people like them on track. The central narrative, the written and rewritten history of the past, present, and future is written only and ever by the winners. The winners of history are the winners of the present, the very best people. They will surely be the winners of the future remaining on the right side of history as they write and rewrite. The official story of the false reality is the fake news of the concrete, tangible, empirical reality. But in the future prepared for us by the winners, it is our place in history. We, the people, on the other side, as always, will be on the wrong side of history, according to the winners. History written and rewritten by the winners, is indeed one of savagery in which brutality is inflicted on the powerless by the same people who find themselves powerless once again, while those on the right side of history make futile attempt after futile attempt to implement the will of the very best people. Their cause is righteous, so the winners cannot be brutal. Mistakes, however, are bound to happen. Such is the price of progress. Whatever errors are made can be edited out in a future draft. All channels of information will be flooded with the revisions. Reality will be buried in a makeshift grave, a search engine, the shovel, and a mountain of fake news, the dirt. To hinder the full imposition of the will of the very best people is to derail everyone from the only path to a better future. To derail the very best people in any way is to be evil incarnate within the false reality, to deserve destruction. In the false reality, it is what we must do. Achieving progress is the only way to salvation. We are shackled to the history as it's written and rewritten by the winners. This continues for as long as we agree that the history represents a concrete, tangible, and empirical reality while knowing it does not. To resolve this, people like them argue in favor of a complete and total moral inversion. Atrocities are merely speed bumps on the road to progress, accidental failures by those who were trying their best on behalf of everyone. A few eggs, after all, must be broken. In accepting that the winners, having written history, are indeed the very best people and hence people we should aspire to be, we perpetuate the false reality. This process repeats until everyone on the other side submits to the degree of indentured servitude demanded of them or is destroyed on behalf of the very best people and the future they have prepared. 
because the path toward utopia is a long one, evermore must be demanded of everyone. Only those whose worship and obedience are suitably expressed, whose usefulness remains intact, will have a future. This is how people like them might end up on the right side of history. If they falter in any way, they could end up on the other side, and they will falter. The game gets more demanding over time. The very best people tell us without hesitation that the future utopia must have far fewer people. They will find new ways to place people on the wrong side of history in order to justify their extermination. When it comes, it will have already been understood as necessary and inevitable. In that future, those who have systematically decimated humanity will find themselves on the right side of history, as they always have been. They will be the winners after all. They will write the history once again. They will be the only ones alive to write it. In their future history, they will be gods, just as they always have been. The history they write will exist as the record of who we were not. Their evils will be ours. Our suffering will be theirs. This will be the price of our silence and complicity. We will not rewrite history, and we cannot write the future. But we can and must observe the present and be impeccably honest about what we see. It is our duty to the future to communicate and record the truth of this present. We must create an enduring counterweight to the fluid history inside the false reality, written and rewritten by history's winners and according to their demands. The history we write will be the recorded truth of our thoughts and our actions, not the caricature chosen for us. It is not theirs to write on our behalf. The future prepared for us by the very best people can only come to pass if we submit fully to the false reality, foregoing truth in favor of permanent vacation, or at least a comfortable ride. This has been a reading of The Sides of History, published on August 23rd, 2022, at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!